0: and he is, excuse me, he is a uh, professor at uh, University of California, San Diego. Uh, Mike was in Richmond and we were colleagues in uh, 1990 through about 94 or so. Did you leave in 94 or 95?
1: Uh, I left in 94 to go to internship.
0: Yeah, and so then Mike went out to a Fuller Seminary for inter- internship and then to Louisiana Tech for a, a year, and then up in Washington DC to a, uh, uh, a health institute where did a lot of real good work out there. Then Mike went to Southern Methodist University and then spent, I guess, I don't know, 20 years at University of Miami, something like that, and now recently has uh, decided to abandon the East Coast and, uh, and go out to the far West Coast. So Mike is uh, one of the top uh, scientists in the world. Uh, uh, So I have uh, in uh, psychological science uh, and uh, has had a really good, wonderful career in which he writes these papers that uh, everybody who can read will cite them. Uh, So he has all these magnificent citations and, uh, and he's written a number of really uh, well-selling books. Uh, has one out. I forgot to look it up what the name of it was, Mike, but maybe you can tell us. Um, so he has just been a, an amazingly productive person and uh, clearly uh, the started uh, he and, and Robert Emmons started the uh, Science of Gratitude. And uh, Mike has been, uh, i guess you've been awarded uh, a grant to study forgiveness to map it globally and uh, i'm sure he'll tell us a, a little bit about that uh, tonight but it's just a real pleasure to be able to uh, to introduce mike to you uh, he's spent some time in richmond and uh, actually came to christ press at one point and uh, so uh, it's my pleasure then to turn this over to mike McCullough
1: um, well, thank thank you, Ev, for that really lovely um, introduction. Um, Ev, as I'm sure you know from the uh, uh, you know some of the people that have rolled in in the past to speak uh, to your group, um, you 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 know by now, I'm sure that he's had a tremendous impact on the field of psychology, uh, both through his original work in a number of areas. Uh, uh, religion and counseling, marriage counseling, marriage and family, uh, pain management, um, uh, he, um, both both physical pain and the pain of some of the people he's mentored, he's helped to manage. Um, uh, never, you know, needless to say, the effectiveness of psychotherapy, the effectiveness of therapy with Christians, religion and mental health, um, and then of course uh, forgiveness, which um, has been you know, I I think the, you know, the enduring feature of his career for, gosh, 30 years, I guess, Ev. Um, And Ev and I started, so uh, first of all, let me just acknowledge uh, your tremendous, tremendous uh, influence on everything I do every day. Um, And I I mean that from the heart. So thank you for that. uh, and yes, I, I I went to Christ Prez for I think probably a year or a year and a half, Ev, and it was uh, a wonderful experience for me, and I uh, really great a great time and a meaningful one too. So um, I have a um, a fond place in my heart for for Christ Prez. Um, Ev and I started working. Um, actually, I I went to graduate school in 1990, and um, you know we were talking about some things we might want to work on together and the topic of forgiveness came up as a possibility and you know we started working right away on 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 that that concept and what was what was really great about forgiveness at the time is that there just wasn't a lot of research on it i mean it was the kind of thing you could really wrap your arms around uh because there was just so little done on it um but we we did a number of uh experiments and studies and papers and even a book together i think pretty early on in the you know the, the formation of that field and you know what i learned from that i guess i mean i meant a number of things but what, what i think of the most important career things was if you find a concept really early and you're the sort of one of the first people there then you can kind of say and do what you want um because there's there's no real precedent um, so they're often like kind of like, you know bull markets where you know, it's a really great time to invest. And I guess part of, you know, my interest in gratitude kind of started in the same way in that, um, you know, I recognized uh, pretty early that this was a topic with with virtually no research on it at all. Um, but that's actually not how I, it got started. Um, how it got started was, um, I was, I got interested in positive psychology um, and how we might, you know, sort of identify virtues and, and strengths that people have that we might want to cultivate to, you know, help them to be better off in a lot of ways. And um, I got uh, um, the opportunity to edit a a, a, a set of articles for a, a scientific journal on this topic, and I was, you know, looking around to people who could write about specific virtues, you know, humility. Um, curiosity forgiveness which which i wrote um, creativity you know a number of things like this and gratitude was one i wanted to cover and you know and so on um uh, hope for example um so i asked a number of people that i knew who were kind of working in um tangential areas you know areas similar or kind of adjacent to those um and uh, one of the people I asked to be involved was Bob Emmons, uh, who is a psychologist. You'll hear from you know in a few weeks. Um, Bob was a little slow to get back with me uh, about what he wanted to work on. So when he finally did get back to me, he said, "I think I want to work on. I think I want to do a paper on humility." And at that point, humility had already been taken. So I said, "You know, sorry, humility's out. But how about gratitude?" And he said, "Oh man, I don't know anything about gratitude." uh but okay i guess i guess i'll dig into it and when he did that he really got super interested in the topic and i came to be interested in the topic i think in part through his interest in it and so we became friends and colleagues and started working on the topic and uh very quickly recognized that we were in the same boat it was a new area with very little to say about it in the psychological you know scientific literature so um, we it became kind of a very quickly a playground, um, and what I'd like to share with you today are some of the insights uh, that we not not we as in me and Bob, you know, partially Bob and I, but many many researchers now have discovered about gratitude and particularly its links to um, uh, health, uh, spirit, religion, religiousness, spirituality, and well being. So if it's okay, I'll go ahead and share my screen with you and start some slides. Uh, Are you able to see my slides? Yeah? Okay. All right. So what I want to do today is just begin by giving you kind of the lay of the land and some of the history of the study of gratitude, explain a little bit about some, some of its key links to uh, individual differences in religious commitment and spirituality, but also to pro-social behavior and psychological well-being, and then to tell you about some future directions that the work is, is going. Um, on a couple of c- occasions, I'll show you some numbers and some data, but I'll go really slow through those and um, help hopefully help, sort of demystify the numbers that we're looking at and give you a sense for what they might actually mean. Uh, in terms of sort of real world kinds of things. Um, Gratitude is a neglected emotion in psychology and has been perennially, in part because it doesn't look like any of these basic emotions. Um, Each of these photos represents the face that people express when they are experiencing one of what are called the basic emotions. Um, Over on the upper left, that's someone who's angry. Um, Upper middle, that's somebody who's uh, fearful. On the right, it's upper right disgust. Uh, Lower left, uh, surprise, happy. uh, Lower middle and then sadness or pain in the lower right. These are basic emotions and gratitude doesn't have one. I think in part, that's why there wasn't a whole lot of, of work done on the topic. In fact, you have to go back. Um, uh, if if you go back to sort of some of the original thinkers who kind of wrote about gratitude, um, they kind of gestured at it, but didn't have a whole lot to say about it really. That um, you know would would be you know sort of empirically or scientifically backed up. But you can go back to two thousand years and you know find uh, philosoph- stoic philosophers like Cic- Cicero, you know, identifying it as not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of the others. You know, you can go forward another 1700 years and Adam Smith, the great economist and actually uh, psychologist, as it happens, um, described gratitude as the sentiment which most immediately and directly prompts us to reward. Uh, Then you have, you know, fast forward another 200 years and you have the sociologist uh, Georg Simmel referring to gratitude as the moral memory of mankind there wasn't really much to say as i alluded to earlier on gratitude for really another 50 years in fact if you look for papers on gratitude prior to let's call it the year 2000 you're going to find like four articles um, published you know peer reviewed scientific articles on gratitude there's just nothing to hold on to before then so when Bob and I decided to start working on this we were not by any means the only per people thinking about working on it but at the time there was really no published research so one of the things we thought would be good to do first is to try to look at individual differences in who tends to feel grateful and who doesn't so maybe we can describe people along kind of a continuum with some people saying they experience gratitude a lot for a lot of things in their lives and others are sort of you know sort of by temperament or by habit, just not so grateful. So we did what a lot of psychologists do, which was we developed a questionnaire to try to measure gratitude. Um, We ended up calling it the GQ6 or the gratitude questionnaire six item scale. And it really just looks exactly what, like what you think a gratitude scale ought to look like. You know, it has questions like, I have so much in life to be thankful for, or if I had to list everything that I felt grateful for, it would be a very long list. You know, I'm grateful to a wide variety of people. As I get older, I find myself more able to appreciate the people and events and situations that have been part of my life, et cetera. And then we have two that are sort of, you reverse score them, you flip them. So they kind of measure ingratitude. When I look at the world, I don't see much to be grateful for long amounts of time can go by before I feel grateful to someone or something. So you kind of reverse those two. And then you take the average of all six of them or you just add them up. And then that's gonna represent a measure of sort of individual differences in how grateful people tend to feel. So now what we can do, now that we have this questionnaire measure that we you, you can use to approximate how grateful people are is we can then correlate those scales or those measures with other scales and measures that measure different things that we might be interested in. So, one of the first things we wanted to do is really look at whether religious commitment and, and spirituality are associated with gratitude. So, when psychologists want to see sort of what goes with what, you know, if you have more of this, do you have more of that? One of the things we're going to calculate is called a correlation. And a correlation is just an attempt to give you a, a, a sort of a number that represents the strength of an association. You know, like is are they really tightly correlated so, correlated? so that you know, every time you just increase by a little bit, you get a very just a little bit of change, or is it when you change it? Uh, you, you know, uh, if you change it a lot, you you get you get a, a you know the, the very sort of like lock step increases as well. So if you increase one, how much does the other one increase? And those numbers go from negative one, meaning as one goes up, the other one very strongly goes down, zero meaning no relationship at all, and positive numbers as you approach one, meaning a very tight, very strong relationship between them. So we first wanted to correlate uh, these measures of gratitude with, excuse me, uh, with some measures of spirituality and religious commitment. So these are correlation, these numbers are correlation coefficients. The the closer to one they are, the stronger that association, the better you can do at identifying people's religiousness or spirituality on the basis of how grateful they are. So. Over on the left, on the on the rows, we've got measures of religious commitment and spirituality, and the columns are those correlation coefficients. So if we're going down the ro- down the rows, we can have measures like spiritual transcendence, the extent to which you feel like, on a daily basis, you're really connecting to something bigger than you are. Um, similar, uh, and it has we have two measured two different scales for measuring this. We have a measure of so-called self-actualization, which is the sense that you're really kind of uh, realizing your inner strengths and your kind of inner desires. And then we have all these measures of religious commitment. How important is your faith to you? How often do you attend church, synagogue, mosque, temple? How many friends do you have in your religious community? How often do you read scripture? And so forth. All of these correlations are positive. They're kind of on the small end, but it's consistent people who are walking around concerned about their their religious lives and their spiritual lives walk around more grateful. So religiousness in general, and also kind of a spiritual orientation to life are indicators that you're probably walking around more grateful as well. Lots and lots of studies now have really confirmed these associations. I'm going to swing back around to say a little bit more about The spiritual, specifically spiritual and kind of religious dimension of gratitude. But before we get there, um, I want to talk a little bit about two other important things that sort of we've we and many other people have found gratitude to be associated with. The first is pro-social behavior. Helping others, um, caring for others, charitable giving and so forth. Um, we began with a theory that part of what the emotion of gratitude is designed to do is um, alert you to kind, generous people in your lives and to motivate you also to be kind and generous to others. So we describe gratitude as having three moral functions. The first Mm -hmm. is that it serves as a moral barometer. It helps you to revalue individuals who have proven that they are able to provide valuable help to you at a cost to themselves. So who's out there in the world that seems to value me, wants to pour benefits into me, and even willing to pay costs to do so? When gratitude goes up, it's because it's measuring, like a thermometer, how you know whether you have these kinds of people in your lives. It also serves as what we're calling a moral reinforcer. The mere act of saying thanks to someone or reciprocating or letting them know that you appreciate their kindness also promotes them to continue to behave that way. So in the same way that we can give rewards to people to get more of a behavior that we want, we can use our gratitude and it ends up being something that strengthens bonds. Just the expression of gratitude itself encourages givers to be more giving. And then it serves as a, what we're calling a moral motive. When we're feeling gratitude, it doesn't simply alert us to kind people or uh, allow us to kind of stay in relationships, but it also promotes pro-social behavior in and of itself. One of the ways we wanted to test this moral barometer, or rather this moral af- moral emotion theory is by correlating our measures of gratitude with other measures that are associated with pro sociality. Are grateful people more pro social, if you like? We have a measure, our good old gratitude measure, the GQ. And we also have on that second column, it says peer. Those are other people's ratings of how grateful I am. So I could have two or three friends rate me, you know, how grateful a person is Mike McCullough. So I'm going to have ratings of my own, uh, how grateful I think I am and also how grateful people around me think I am. And then on the c- rows, we've got different kinds of measures of pro-social emotion or behavior. The first is empathic concern. That's the extent to which you feel pity, sympathy for others who are having problems, you know, who have who are not doing so well in their lives. Um, the second is perspective taking, the ability to try to feel what others feel. Next, we have measures of How often did you engage in pro social behaviors in the past month, giving, helping someone doing favors and then peer ratings of those same kind of traits. Um, I could ask those three peers. Does Mike go out of his way to do favors for others? Does he volunteer to help others? Does he tend to be generous? Does he expect other people to do him favors? Is he helpful and unselfish with others? And again, you can see all along these two ro- columns that in general, people s- who see themselves as grateful and who are seen by others as grateful tend to be s- tend to report they themselves are more grateful and are seen by others, excuse me, see themselves as more pro-social and are also seen by others as being more pro-social. And some of these correlations are actually pretty strong. We would say, you know, a correlation of, you know, for example, 0. 0.5, you know, um, people who are gra- seen as grateful are also seen as people who tend to be generous with their time and resources or who tend to be helpful and se- unselfish with others, right? Those are, those are correlations that really in social science cause us to stand up and say, wow, there's really something meaningful going on here that we need to take notice of. It's almost if you like a, a strong enough relationship that you could see it with the naked eye. If you interact with someone really grateful, you do reasonably well to make the prediction that this is somebody you wanna spend time with because they tend to be generous. Lots of research now on the pro-social nature of gratitude. And I thought I would just kind of give a listing of some of the features that um, of, of social interaction with you know between two people that seem to make us grateful and sort of that moral barometer concept, what causes gratitude features of relationships and then it's sort of moral motive function what does it cause us to do and i'll just kind of i just want to sort of give you a stylized description of some of this gratitude is higher when someone gives you a valuable benefit does a particularly useful or valuable favor for you um it's also value relative to the benefits others can provide so if i'm able to give you a benefit that no one else can give you that you need, that's going to make me especially grateful to you. Number three, costly benefits. If I see you really willing to pay a price, well, that means a lot more than if you're giving me something that doesn't come out of hide, if you like. It's really of no cost to you, despite its benefit to me. That's gonna make me more grateful. Um, If it meets my needs and desires, if it seems intentionally, you gave it on purpose, you wanted to help me. If there were no ulterior motives, if you weren't doing it clearly because of, you were going to get some benefit, if the donor is somebody who has higher sort of social status than you do, that makes us grateful because we see them as go you know doing something for us where there's not anything necessarily in it for them in terms of establishing a relationship with us you know important person if you like um, closeness. Um, We're actually, this is actually kind of crazy, but there are ways to explain it, that when someone does a favor for us um, of any given value, we tend to be more grateful for that to the person if we aren't that close to the person. So a way to get kind of get your mind around this, this, you know, uh, this phenomenon is if someone we barely know, uh, maybe just a friend we've sort of gotten to know offers to take us to the airport, um, we're going to feel Pretty grateful for that. It's telling us that this person values us more than we thought they did. If someone who, you know, a a spouse or brother or sister or someone who you would expect, who you've come to customarily expect to do this, you actually feel less grateful. So it's surprising benefits, benefits in relationships where you wouldn't have expected it. Then finally, how badly would things have gone without this benefit? So you get a characterization of gratitude being a response to costly. Benefits costly to the costly to the giver, really beneficial to you, intentional, given by someone, uh, uh, given by someone who is unique in their ability to help you, and so forth. What does gratitude do? It strongly motivates us to reciprocate, it makes us want to praise the benefactor, it makes us want to maintain that relationship, and it inhibits avoidance motivation. Not only do you not, uh, uh, you, this is someone precisely whom you want to hang out with more. So that's its pro social or altruistic contours. What I finally want to talk about and kind of devote the, the meat of this talk to is its relationships to well being. Um, the famous psychologist Abraham Maslow uh, wrote that it's vital actually that people count their blessings uh, to appreciate what they possess without having to undergo its actual loss. You want to be a happy, healthy, well-adjusted person? Be grateful for what you have while you have it, not when you're mourning the fact that you no longer have it. Um, The uh, writer, um, uh, journalist, G.K. Chesterton, Christian devotionalist, described gratitude as uh, um, something that produced for him the most purely joyful moments that have been known to man. Beautiful sentiments. Um, is there any evidence to support these, this, this, uh, intuition by these, by these writers? So we're not working on the benefit of data. Here's a number of studies, um, where we've looked at a number on the columns, excuse me, the rows, we've got measures of well-being and we've got on the columns, our two, two measures of gratitude, but both, you know, our friend, the GQ six, that six item questionnaire, And then we're going to ask informants, people who know know me as the the subject filling out these questionnaires, and we're going to rate how grateful they perceive me to be. How satisfied are you with life going down the rows? How vital, how much vibrance and vigor do you feel and enthusiasm? How happy are you? How optimistic? How hopeful are you? How much do you feel like... um, you uh, have the vi- you know the strength to do things, um, and you know how to do things. Like things are going to work out well for you because you can make them work out well, and the la- the world is just set up in a way to help you make them good. Um, positive emotion, negative emotion, anxiety and depression. So all the positive things, you know, in terms of well being, really are positively associated with gratitude, uh, and all the negative things negative daily emotion, anxiety and depression tend to be negatively associated with gratitude. So these correlations are one thing, but we might want to ask a more sophisticated question, which is um, if we make people grateful, do we in fact get these increases in well-being? This is work that Bob really wanted to do almost initially, which is have do a, an experiment, where we have people intentionally write down up to five things in their lives for which they were grateful, or write down up to five hassles or daily complaints they have, or in a third condition, write up to five major events and circumstances that impacted you. So we've got a gratitude writing condition or a hassles writing condition or a neutral events. You're gonna do this once a week for 10 weeks. And as you go along, We're gonna measure your moods, how sort of uh, optimistic are you about your life, your reports of your physical symptoms and the extent to which you're engaging in good health behaviors. So you'll do this task once a week and likewise we'll measure kind of your well-being once a week. Here's some hassles uh, that people might write about. It was hard to find parking today, a messy kitchen that no one wants to clean. My finances are depleting quickly. I have a horrible test coming up in health psychology. Bob was actually a, teaching a course called health psychology when he was collecting these data. Um, uh, rude, customer, rude customers on a Sunday morning, um, maybe people after church who uh, weren't taken in the message too well. Stupid people driving, uh, doing a favor for a friend who didn't appreciate it. The weather, I love this one. The weather's warming up uh, and it's irritating my skin. It's you know generally not the place where most of us go when the weather's warming up. Gratitudes. I woke up this morning. My friends are generous, the warmth of my family, to God for giving me determination. Thanks for wonderful parents. Uh, the Lord for just another day. and finally thankful to the rolling, grateful to the Rolling Stones. And then finally, so we've got these great gratitudes. We've got these hassles. and then we've got just n- neutral events. Um, you can think of these numbers as just measures on a scale, like a scale that goes from one to seven, let's call it. Um, the higher the numbers, the more, uh, for example, the more op- the more you would say your life is going really well as a whole. How optimistic you are about the upcoming week, um, your physical symptoms, and the hours of exercise you have. And I just want to point out that um, people who are have done this gratitude writing condition have more optim- or um, are more upbeat about their lives as a whole than people who wrote about hassles or life events. They're more optimistic about the upcoming week. The scores are a little higher than people in those hassles and events condition. They report fewer negative physical symptoms, and they are getting more exercise. Um, so, really, an incredible indication that um, just thinking about what you're grateful for may, uh, because this is an experiment, we can really say these gratitude this gratitude writing caused changes in these you know indicators of mental health and flourishing and well being. Um, in the interest of time, I think I'll just kind of skip ahead and not talk to about two other experiments we've done that more or less show the same kinds of results. Um, I'll just skip ahead to show a couple of other researchers who've done similar things. Um, This is work by uh, a researcher of psychologist named Philip Watkins, who started working on gratitude right at the same time Bob and I did. And he had people either write in the laboratory a, an essay that was just write about what you want or think about gratitude or write a gratitude essay or write a letter of gratitude to someone who's done something nice for you in the past. So right now in the laboratory, do one of these four things. Um, what we're looking at, those bars represent the scores for each of those conditions. So on the far left, we've got scores for the control group. Uh, that. Second bar from the left is the grateful thinking people. The third is the grateful essay people. And the fourth is the grateful letter people. Um, What we're looking at is changes in positive emotions from before you do the task to after. And then over those four right bars are changes in negative emotion from before and after. So on the left side, higher numbers mean your positive emotions went up. And on the right, negative scores mean your negative emotions went down. So if we focus just on the left side, we can see that if you just write about what you want, no meaningful change in positive emotion, maybe it even went down a little bit. But if you've written, if you sort of thought about things you're grateful for or written about things you're grateful for, or even written that letter of gratitude, your positive emotions went up during the task. The same thing is mirrored with regard to negative emotions your negative emotions went down in all three of those gratitude conditions. This is a study where actually we looked, uh, researchers looked not only at happiness, but they looked at depression, clinical depression. And here it was a really interesting gratitude intervention because this was a researcher named Martin Seligman um, who had People either complete a task where um, they were just writing about um, um, something they wanted to do with their lives, uh, just sort of a neutral thing, or they went out and visited somebody that they wanted to express their gratitude to. And we're measuring both their happiness on a daily basis or their depressive symptoms on a daily basis. The white bars represent scores on a happiness scale for people who completed this, what we call a placebo control. This is that task that wasn't expected to to do anything special for your happiness or your depression. And the black bars represent the scores for people who did this gratitude visit. They actually went to someone's house that they wanted to let know how grateful they were for something they did for them. That first column that says pretest, those are the scores before you did the task. And that thing that the next column that says post-test, those are scores right after you've done the task, either the placebo control or the gratitude visit. Higher bars for the uh, when the bar the black bars are higher than the white bars, it means the gratitude visit did more than the um, placebo control condition did. So here, uh, one right after the the visit, people's happiness who did the gratitude visit were much higher than those who did the placebo control task. And this effect, this difference, which we can attribute to the gratitude task, persisted for one week after the visit, to one month after the visit, to even three months after the visit. People are still getting benefits in terms of happiness from that gratitude visit months afterward. By six months, it sort of disappeared. What about depressive symptoms? Here's right after the intervention, actually a very large effect with people who did the gratitude visit feeling much less depressed, You know, having much less sort of negative emotion. And that's an effect that persists for one week, for one month, and then by three months, it sort of dissolves. But this is really powerful data that there's something special about really, uh, not just thinking about grateful thoughts or writing about them, but actually uh, acting on them. That seems to be a really powerful thing we can be doing uh, for health and well being. Fast forward to 10 or 15 years after the field gets started and we see a couple of people attempt a couple of researchers attempt to summarize all of the research to say, if we take it all in, what could we really conclude about gratitude and its effects on health and well being in 2016. Um, Don Davis, who was one of Ed's students and I think uh, Ev, were you involved in this meta analytic review in
0: 2016. Yeah. Okay, uh, I was and right. Donnie went to Christ prayers also. Oh, so uh, that's right. Them.
1: That's right. Yeah. So Donnie and Ev and their team tried to summarize all of that work that was done on these experiments. And they found that. There was a medium sized positive effect across the a, sort of an average of all these experiments that had been done. Um, it promotes well being in comparison to nothing, you know, no treatment at all, like a placebo treatment. And even compared to treatments, you know, or interventions, sort of these small scale interventions you can do for yourself, um, you don't need a therapist or something like that. It even had a fall small effect relative to them. In 2021, uh, some researchers. Uh, someone named Craig and someone else named something um, found similar sized effects, uh, found smaller effects, but still what looked like real effects on symptoms of depression and anxiety. Um, But in the middle there, there was a researcher named um, Leah Dickens, who took another kind of closer look at all these studies, and some of the others. And she did something very clever, which was to break down the uh, comparison conditions. So we've got our gratitude things you might do: right, write about when you were grateful, uh, think about when you were grateful, go vi- write a letter to someone, go visit someone. But we can compare. So we say that boosts gradi- that boosts well-being. The question you should ask is: compared, compared to what? What are your, what are you? When you say it boosts, boosts relative to what? And so what she did very cleverly is she said, well, what we should compare a gratitude intervention to something negative you could do, like write about your complaints, right? Write about how your life isn't going well, um, which we would say is a negative comparison or a neutral comparison, which was something like just write about you know what you're going to do today, write about stuff in your closet or a positive comparison, um, which is you know um, a task to make you more hopeful or a task to make you more you know, um, um, uh, humble or think about what, you know, your family means to you, something that would be, should be a positive effect on well-being. And then she looks at individual measures uh, that could be measures of well-being, like how stressed you are, how depressed you say you are, in fact, how grateful you feel, how satisfied you are with your life, and so forth. Let's just look at these black bars, These represent the comparisons of gratitude interventions to those negative things, like write about things you're grateful for versus write about things that are going lousy in your life. And you can see that those gratitude interventions relative to writing about the lousy things have big effects. So these are kind of like the difference in the effectiveness of the gratitude ones relative to those cruddy uh, interventions. Big effects compared to those negative things for for stress, depression, more gratitude in your, you know, sort of daily life, better life satisfaction, more positive emotion, less negative emotion. But look what happens to these effects when we compare them to sort of neutral things, like write about what's in your closet, or write about what you're going to do yet, what you did yesterday. The effects are much smaller. And then finally, we can compare to positive interventions. And here's where we as researchers get a little humbled. Because when we compare to other positive treatments, for the most part, the gratitude interventions work about as well as those others. So is this good news or bad news for gratitude interventions? I view this as good news because it says here's a way that we can do something in general that uh, is going to be different from sort of focusing on stressors or focusing on, you know, thinking about complaints. That's something a lot of approaches to counseling and psychotherapy says you should do is sort of identify problems and so you can think about them and treat them it's better than that to some extent to a much lesser extent it's better than writing about what's in your closet and it's equal to a lot of other positive things you might be doing thinking positively, planning, being hopeful and um uh and so forth so, uh kind of a a, a kind of a, a an approach that, Gives us some, you know, gives us a reason to really be modest in what we say about the power of these gratitude interventions. It's it's absolutely worth doing, but there may be some other very good things you could be doing of a positive nature that could also boost well-being and life satisfaction. Most of the research on gratitude, as is the case with uh, almost all research in general, has been done in North America and uh, Western Europe and the rest of the English speaking world. Very little is done in the rest of the world outside of North America, Western Europe, Australia, um, New Zealand, what am I forgetting? Probably others. So there's a really a giant map where we don't know much about gratitude. Um, Right now I'm working with some other researchers to do some cross-cultural work um, in order to really that as Ev mentioned earlier, just kind of get a map of gratitude. First of all, uh, we're uh, I'm working with a large team of people, and we're going to be doing studies, hopefully, that are coordinated, uh, not only in labs in North America and Western Europe, but also around the world, hopefully, Russia, Brazil, uh, Saudi Arabia, any place there are psychologists who might be interested in gratitude. We're hoping to collaborate with them, maybe ultimately in 50 or 100 of these laboratories in order to try to develop some measures and test some interventions so we can compare apples with apples around the world and figure out what works where, if you like. There's four thrusts to this, this project. The first is a measurement project. We talk, I talked about that questionnaire measure we made, the GQ6. Does that measure gratitude everywhere? Can we measure gratitude in the same way everywhere? Um, can we kind of create a ruler? where an inch is an inch everywhere around the world. Um, We also wanna see if we can make measures of gratitude to God uh, that work across societies. Um, A cultural psychologist um, named Shigehiro Oishi is working on on a uh, a strand of this this project called the intervention component. And he's gonna be doing one of these count your blessings interventions. Um, in in as many labs around the world as possible to figure out where where and to what extent it boosts subjective well-being um, relative to some of these other comparison conditions I I just got done talking about. Um, So he's going to compare it to both active and passive control conditions. We're going to be assembling cross-cultural databases so we can characterize societies themselves, not people, but societies in terms of How much gratitude do they report um, feeling? Um, To what extent is gratitude an important important part of their religious or spiritual lives and so on. Um, So we'll be kind of trying to get to the characterized societies themselves, their uh, political systems, their economic systems, um, their family systems and and their spiritual systems. Finally, a colleague of ours named Sarah Aljo is going to be trying to find as many of the existing databases the you know, the, the data sets that researchers collect and then put into an Excel spreadsheet and then analyze, bring them into a common database to kind of create kind of a cons- conservatory of all these databases so future researchers can use them. By the way, if you speak Russian, or if you know someone who is, who is a first language speaker of Russian, Swahili or Portuguese, I want to talk to them because we are looking to translate some of our measures or rather to make sure they translate well in these languages. And if we can do that, we will have done uh, one of the things we want to do, which is make sure from the outset we're starting with questions and materials that can be properly and sensibly translated into the languages that probably four billion people on planet Earth claimed to be their first language. The final thing I wanna point you to is uh, a project I think you'd really get a kick out of if you're interested in in research. Uh, And this is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, the results of a project that um, um, my colleague, Bob Emmons, and uh, who Bob, uh, excuse me, that Ev knows really well, and a psychologist, um, a Christian psychologist named Peter Hill, uh, have been kind of curating over several years designed to shed research light from uh, scientists philosophers and theologians on gratitude to God they have a great website that really explains the work that they've been um, they've been um, sponsoring and some of the results that have come come from that it's been a pleasure to talk with you uh really truly this was um, um, a wonder just 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 a delight. Um, it's actually been quite a while since I kind of climbed out of my researcher head and thought about uh, how I might share with with non researchers what I I thought was really the most exciting and interesting and, and important uh, you know dimensions and perspectives of of gratitude. So thank you sincerely for the invitation, Kevin and Ev, and um, I, it, it was it was really delightful to talk with you today.